The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Luke. After this, the Lord appointed 70 others and sent them on ahead of him in pairs to every town and place where he himself intended to go. He said to them, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, ask the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Go on your way. See, I am sending you out like lambs into the midst of wolves. Carry no purse, no bag, no sandals, and greet no one on the road. Whatever house you enter, first say, Peace to this house. And if anyone is there who shares in peace, your peace will rest on that person. But if not, it will return to you. Remain in the same house, eating and drinking whatever they provide, for the laborer deserves to be paid. Do not move about from house to house. Whenever you enter a town and its people welcome you, eat, with, eat what is set before you. Cure the sick who are there and say to them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. But whenever you enter a town and they do not welcome you, go out into its streets and say, even the dust of your town that clings to our feet, we wipe off in protest against you. Yet know this, the kingdom of God has come near. I tell you on that day it will be more tolerable for Sodom than for that town. Whoever listens to you listens to me, and whoever rejects you rejects me, and whoever rejects me rejects the one who sent me. The seventy returned with joy, saying, Lord, in your name even the demons submit to us. He said to them, I watched Satan fall from heaven like a flash of lightning. See, I have given you authority to tread on snakes and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing will hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice at this, that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. The Gospel of the Lord. O oh Lord, may your word only be spoken, and may your word only be heard. In the name of Jesus Christ, the living word. Amen. In our gospel passage this morning, we get to one of those uh, passages with words from Jesus that remind us that Jesus is often not the gentle Jesus, meek and mild, that we like to think of him as being often. He's got some tough words, tough directions, tough responsibilities for the 35 pairs of apostles that he sends out. And of course, by extension, lean, tough directions and big responsibilities for those of us who are trying to follow him. The community that put together the Gospel of Luke must have experienced some of these kinds of harsh conditions as they preached the gospel of healing and of the kingdom of God, of living from hand to mouth, of depending on the kindness of strangers, of withstanding intense hostility from the world around them. And also the first disciples and apostles who had been with Jesus himself must have experienced 
some of the same trials and tribulations as they uh, spread Jesus' teaching a, a generation or so earlier than Luke's uh, gospel hearers. And it's probably a description of Christian life that uh, may in fact make many of us feel uncomfortable. It seems so harsh, so judgmental, so narrow, so demanding, so unchristian somehow. It may be nearly impossible for us to hear these words in such a way that we can actually apply them to our own situation. And yet, here we are, gathered here to listen to these words that our ancestors in faith gathered for us precisely for our edification. So what are we supposed to do? Jesus, at times, was fond of hyperbole, which is the fig- using figures of speech uh, exaggeratedly, to use exaggeration as a way to prove a point. For example, from some of uh, one of the Gospels of the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus talks about uh, if your hand sins against you, cut it off. If your eye sins against, against you, pluck it out, and so forth. Now, I think perhaps, obviously, Jesus is saying these things uh, to make seriously the case that our eyes and our hands are sources of sin, are serious sources of sin. But we're not actually meant to cut them off or to pull them out. Perhaps even there was some humor there uh, to open the listener up to a deeper invitation to follow Jesus' teaching. We might imagine the first listeners hearing Jesus say, cut off your hand, pluck out your eye, and we can imagine them going, cut off my right hand? Right. And then, but there's been a space there that's been created all of a sudden that may allow someone, us, to hear what the deeper meaning of that saying is. In this case, Jesus is giving directions to his apostles as he sends them on their journey. No purse, no bag, no sandals, don't say hi to anybody, shake the dust off your feet, cure the sick, preach the kingdom of God. Think of it. You're going on a big, long trip. You don't take any money. You don't take any shoes. You don't take any clothes. You don't say hi to anybody. There must be, I think, some kind of hyperbole going on here. And I don't mean that since it's hyperbole, we can simply dismiss it as mere exaggeration. As I said, my understanding of hyperbole is that it permits, in its exaggeration, sufficient grace or even humor to enter the passage so that we have the slightest chance of understanding what it might mean to us today and even just maybe a hint of a possibility that we might be able to practice it. Now let me take another little detour here to say that I've been working with a wonderful committee that we're calling so far the Newcomers Committee that has met uh, two times and has been working on the human side of how we practice hospitality to the newcomer, to the stranger in our midst. And there is another committee 
that has uh, met once and is meeting again this week that's chaired by Rod Hosfeld that is looking at the physical aspects of how we practice hospitality to the stranger and the newcomer. So we have, we have two groups of parishioners working together to look at uh, the human side, how we greet one another, how we greet the stranger, and the physical side, how our physical environs greet the stranger. And all of this has come out of the planning for ministry, strategic planning that the parish did in 2005 and 2006. So all this is to say, perhaps my ear and eye and heart have been a bit biased in what I bring to the text when I listen to these texts and prepare to preach on them. I've been kind of biased and poised to hear what the passages might be saying to us about hospitality about welcoming the stranger, the newcomer. And so, what I hear in Jesus' kind of lean and mean, perhaps, his harsh and very particular and specific directions to his disciples is, is this, in, in the spirit of hyperbole. What is it that is absolutely essential in our life together here at Trinity. Our worship life, our life in general, our fellowship. What habits and practices are needed to most effectively invite and welcome people into the kingdom of God as proclaimed here at Trinity Church? Or another way to put it, what are the ways that we practice our faith and our life here that might hinder, that might hinder the proclamation of the gospel? What are hindrances that we might need to give up as blocking the way to make our life here more accessible to those who are new among us? For example, are there, are there kind of pet things, favorite things that have made this place a warm and inviting place, a comfortable place for us that might actually, though inadvertently, make it more difficult for those who would like to join this warm and wonderful parish? Are there words that we use for things, languages, uh, language that we use to name uh, things that we do, places uh, in the building that people don't understand, that need to be explained, that we can't just assume? Are there ways that we get used to approaching people or not approaching people? People whose faces are unfamiliar or people whose faces are familiar but we're embarrassed and we think we should know them but we don't, so we avoid them. Are there assumptions about what people know more generally about the Episcopal Church or about Christianity in general that we make that put barriers between us. I know preachers have to be particularly careful of this. We're steeped in this stuff all the time. We have a tendency to, to presume that people may know what we're talking about when in fact they might not, and that's okay. We need to be aware of what we assume that people know. Are there people that we're used to uh, hanging out with at coffee hour that keep us from keeping an eye out for that person who might be hanging out in the corner somewhere kind of waiting for someone to say hi to them or are there aspects of the physical plant here that we find very endearing and meaningful in many ways but in fact may 
be barriers to others. I think you get the picture. What is it that we need to let go of? What is the baggage that we need to let go of that will allow us to be free to focus on the essential of what we do here? Now let me make it clear that in no way, in no way, do I imagine that any of us here is intentionally or actively throwing up barriers to hinder the uh, entrance of the stranger or the newcomer. So much of this operates on the level of the subconscious. We are a kind and prayerful and open and generous group of people here who are open to other people. And for sure, like the communities described in the Gospel, we hear, we see and experience healing here. We proclaim the Gospel of the Kingdom of God and we practice it. But we just may have forgotten what it is like to be new, what it is like to be seeking, to be uncertain, to need guidance in the way that we may need to go. And further, in some ways, this Gospel reading couldn't be farther from our situation. As people seeking to follow Christ in the western suburbs of Boston, it's not often that we risk life and limb to proclaim our faith in a hostile world. We aren't likely to be persecuted or mocked or chased out of town. And yet, we have a responsibility to make ourselves as intentional as we can be about being open to those who are seeking us and who may not even know it. So my hearing of Jesus this morning, and I share it with you, and perhaps you can hear it too, is sort of a hyperbolic wake-up call. What baggage can we get rid of that allows us to be fully present to those who come through our doors? I imagine Jesus is kind of um, blasting us to get the cobwebs out of our ears and eyes so that we can recall what it is like to be new so that we can remember and reimagine what it might be like to be looking for a home to be looking for the healing and the conversion to the gospel of the kingdom of God that, that the passage talks about this morning what is essential what can we leave aside as simply baggage on our journey to make this church a home not just for us but for others as well Amen